you're joining us for the first time, um, we're actually starting a brand new kind of mini-series today. And this mini-series is going to be three parts uh, where we're going to talk about what we are as a church here at Five Stones. What we're going to do is I'm going to lay out over the next three, three weeks our mission statement for Five Stones. Any of you guys have been part of Five Stones or been part of E1? It's summed up in three words. What are those three words? Okay, all together now. Gospel, disciple, influence. All right, so those are the three words that we have. You see it in all our literature. You see it all around the church. Uh, but it's my hope to actually define what these things are and to bring to life what it means for us as a church and how this grounds us how it motivates us, and how we impact the community in the, uh, the community that we live in. So over the next three weeks, I'll be talking about what uh, a gospel-centered church is, what basically the, what drives the church, the engine behind it. Next week, I'm going to be bringing out the worshipful church and how our discipleship begins with who we worship. And then the, the last week of the series is going to be the missional church and how we are to influence the world that we and so before we dive into today's gospel message, let's pray. Father God, we come before you with humility and we ask for your spirit to fill this church. We come knowing what a privilege it is to be here today as a church and as part of your kingdom. And Father, we ask that you remind us of the love that you pour out to us, the grace that you have given us and the mercy you have shown Lord, we come to you as children to know, to know you more. We come to grow in our transformed lives. And Lord, may you give us your spirit to help us walk out the things that you put in front of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we start with the gospel. So simply we need to ask that question, what is the gospel? The gospel in the simplest form is translated as the good news. The good news about God's plan to restore the brokenness of humanity to himself and back to the heart of his creation. And more specifically, it is the story of Jesus, of who he is and what he did to fulfill what was needed to overcome this brokenness. We could all agree that the world is in need of hope and redemption, right? We could probably say that as followers of Jesus, we have the privilege and responsibilities to be the embodiment of this hope, right? But here's where a lot of people will struggle with, is that the church is a hard place to find this hope. In Matthew 16, we have this story of Jesus and Peter. It's a conversation where Jesus asked Peter, who do, you who do people say the Son of Man is? And Peter answers and says, well, some, of you think, some people think it's John the Baptist, other thinks it's Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus goes again and asks, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says this one thing, which is probably the most profound thing that really anybody could say. It's probably the smartest thing that Peter has ever said. 
Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me repeat that. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And on this answer, Jesus confirms him. And he says that this is not revealed to you by any person, but this is a direct revelation from God. And on the statement, the statement that you are Christ, you are son of the living God, Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, this statement, this phrase that you just said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is it. This is the gospel. That the story of Jesus and the person of Jesus is completely insignificant if we don't believe this one statement. That everything that Jesus did does not matter if we cannot believe that Jesus is Christ and that Jesus is the son of the living God. Because it is the only truth that his death has any meaning. That it is only in this truth that we can believe that sin and death is defeated. That is the good news. The good news that God sent his son Jesus to live and to die, and that is a price that was needed to pay so that restoration can begin. This sets the foundation of all churches. And for five stones, this is absolutely the foundation in which we build on. The church is about a ministry of reconciliation because Jesus is about reconciliation. Jesus died so that we can be reconciled, and therefore the church's main ministry and main thread in everything that we do is about reconciliation, is to reconcile people. Alex, in his sermon last week, said that when we believe, now we have the responsibility to help others or to lead others to come to that place of belief. The church's central message is Jesus reconciled so that we are to reconcile through him. Don't forget the through him aspect. I mean, I could finish here because that's really what the gospel is, but I won't because there are some challenges that we face today. And the first one is this. We, need to, we, we live in a world in which people's worldviews are fueled by consumerism and individualism. This worldview fosters a, a self-care desire of control in our lives. When we put our worth into what we are able to control and feed it with consumerism and, and the idea of me first, m this individualistic thinking, that I will live my truth and you can live your truth, then what happens is it begins to drive out the things that are spiritual for the things that are physical. What happens is we begin to secularize our spirituality and our theology that the central message to the gospel begins with man and not with Jesus. There's this new gospel message. There's this new thing that's, that's kind of the buzz over the last couple of years, and I believe that since COVID, it's kind of become more and more apparent. And one of, the, one of the theologians that I follow talk about how it's, it's almost like this coming out theology. This coming out theology of this gospel of we live our own truth. That our truth is defined by how we feel that our truth is good enough for ourselves. 
that health, wealth, and prosperity is what God will bless us with if we hold on to the idea that we reclaim our theology in which we are called to be imitators of Christ, so therefore we can be Christ. No, that is bad theology. Bad, bad theology. We do not preach a gospel that revolves around ourselves where this, the, the, the up-and-coming message of this gospel revolves around man and not the person of Jesus. And we need to remember that there is no gospel if there is no Jesus. That God needs to be in the center of all of this. But we love as a culture to think about ourselves first. And that God revolves around us. And that God blesses us and keeps us and moves us and, and does all these things for us. And that message of me first is so steeped in our culture that it is played out in everything that we do. This consumer mentality of consuming all these things, consuming information, consuming, uh, I mean, Instagram and TikTok, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I doom scroll on this, these things as, as much as you guys do, okay? I'm just as bad as everybody else. But do you know what it does to our soul? It actually makes us just want more, right? It makes us go to that place of, oh, my life isn't the same as that person, or my life isn't as good as this it begins to create this artificial life, this curated life, where it's no longer life. But what it actually does is starts to isolate us. You know what I mean? Because we start feeling like, if my life is not like that, therefore I shouldn't be living what I'm doing right now. And we, start and we begin to isolate ourselves into places where we just start thinking about me. But that's not what the gospel is about. Gospel is, is centered on the person of Jesus. It is only Jesus that, that can die for, for, for mankind. It is only Jesus that was able to fulfill this gospel message to die on the cross for our sins. Can you do that for yourself? No. You cannot. What happens when we start being driven by consumerism and individualism starts to drive our desire for control. This is what the world tells us. But scripture tells us differently. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The gospel of Jesus is about soul growth and not about growing what is around you. The gospel is about renewing the mind. The world tells us that we are most powerful when we know our truth, but the individualistic thinking leads us to isolate more and more, and it's about our ego. It leads us in promoting our own choices because we need more freedom. Then we start fighting for the freedom to choose, to choose what we do, to choose who we are, to choose how we identify with our, uh, as, as ourselves. Here's another way to look at it. Let me give you another illustration here just to help clarify this. Many of you may not know this, but my first language is not English. 
How many of you guys actually speak a second language? Quite a bit of you. My primary language right now is English. But my first language was actually Cantonese. I was born into a Chinese family. For the first, I don't know, two, three years of my life, I only functioned in Cantonese. And as I was growing up, you go to school, you learn English. What happens when you stop using a language? You lose it, right? My Cantonese is in this place right now where I'm going to say it's sick tang sick gong. Right? That we, we know how to, we, we understand it, we hear it, but we don't know how to speak it because our vocabulary is so limited. Right? I remember going to Hong Kong with my wife on our honeymoon and uh, we were looking for directions to, to the ladies' market and I asked the, the hotel doorman person, spews a bunch of Cantonese to me, I should understand this, spews a bunch of Cantonese to me, I'm just like, no idea what he just said to me. Walk another block. You know how I found it? I found an expat British lady <laughs> to give me directions to find the ladies' market. I had to find some white lady to help me in Hong Kong as a Chinese person that spoke Cantonese as my mother tongue. That's how bad my Chinese is. But that is the same for a spiritual journey. That if we don't exercise our faith, if we don't come to that place of knowing what the gospel is for ourselves, that if we don't use it, you're going to lose it. Now, let me clarify this. You don't lose your salvation. But what happens is you forget what you are being cleansed from. Does that make sense? That if we don't exercise our, our faith, our, 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 our God, the, the reiterating the gospel to ourselves on a daily basis, that we are not growing in our spirituality, you're not going to lose your salvation, but I'm, you're going to forget what the gospel is about for you. You're going to forget that Jesus came to cleanse you, that Jesus came to transform you, that Jesus came to give you life. I'm sure there's a lot of us that have experienced this already. That at one point in our life, that we were so on fire. Probably at the moment of salvation, the first time we heard about Jesus' love. That we're so enthusiastic about it, that we want to grow, that we devour scripture, that we start reading, we get involved in all these things with the church. And then something happens and we start relaxing a little bit and relaxing a little bit and we start instead of feeding our, our thoughts and our minds with the scriptures and with, with prayer and with devotion to God, we start filling it with Instagram feeds and TikTok feeds, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves into this dry place, and it's like, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I don't even know what to believe anymore. I don't know what is true, what is not. That all of a sudden all these messages that come that, that seem like the gospel become gospel, but they're actually not. They're actually just gospel echoes and it's not the truth of what God has to say for you that we begin to believe these new theologies that are coming out but all of these theologies re revolve around ourselves and, uh, and our desires and not revolve around God's heart church we need to be very careful of that 
We need to be very careful of what we surround ourselves with. We need to be careful of what we feed our minds with because God says that the gospel comes in to transform and renew your mind. There's a renewal that happens. It's a transformed life that we live and that transformed life that we live is not out of your own strength. It's out of the renewal of your mind. That you start to think differently. That you start to see things differently. That, you, that, that God transforms your, your hard drive. Right? Your operating system begins, begins to change. The things that you know, you're just like, oh, that, that's just not how it is anymore. It's a little bit of an upgrade. Where it's like, in places where it's hard for me to forgive, all of a sudden I can forgive. Why? Because there's a renewed mind. Right? In places where I, I normally have jealousy and I don't, all of a sudden don't have jealousy in. Why? Because it's a renewed mind. I know that God provides for me regardless of what happens. That his provision is always perfect, exactly what I need for the exact moment. One thing that we know is that the church will always have its challenges. Challenges that will always come against the gospel. There's always going to be some kind of political agenda, some views, some opinions that make us think about how we are to love people and accept people, and we need to stop looking at these things as challenges because when we start looking at them as challenges, we begin to compromise the gospel. Instead, as a church, we need to stand as a beacon of hope and transformation. When we are challenged, we need to offer hope. We need to stand firm on the truth of God because that's the only place that lasting hope comes from. There's no hope when you're not offering Jesus. There's no hope when you're not offering who the Father is. That's why nobody wants to have anything to do with the church because the church never offers hope. We are called to engage culture with the transformative power of Christ rather than retreating from culture. We are called to engage it. And we bring the transformative power of Christ into every sphere of society. How? By living out our faith authentically and lovingly and speaking truth. We can impact culture for the glory of God. The gospel is also central to our lives. You may be tired of hearing this already. Or, okay, John, you're talking about the gospel a lot. We understand this. But this is so important because this is not a one-time event. The gospel is not a one-time event. It's what continues to transform us daily and has the power to redeem broken lives. It brings hope and it heals and heals individuals, but it also heals communities. In Colossians 2, 6, 7, it says this, Therefore you... As you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, to walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What the gospel does is it anchors us and it shapes every aspect of our lives. It shapes our thoughts, our actions, our relationships. It allows us to repent and ask for forgiveness. It allows us to forgive and extend grace. It not only transforms us, but it empowers us to reflect the love and grace that Jesus gave to us. The gospel also gives us an anchor in how we are to teach his word 
and to be faithful to preach and proclaim the full counsel of God's word and not feel like we need to fit into our culture, but that the good news that our culture needs. The gospel fuels us by allowing us to have hope, to feel grace, and to be in God's love. As I have said, the enemy wants to isolate us, but God wants to include us. The gospel tells us that we are never alone. The gospel not only anchors us, but also equips us. It is vital to equip believers to understand and apply God's word in this culture. That we need to help each other develop a solid biblical foundation that enables us to navigate this world. The Bible is what God uses in order to give us the wisdom to walk throughout this life. In Psalms 119, 105, it says this, that your word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Right? That God's word is there to guide, is there to lead, is there to illuminate, is there to bring light into those places of darkness is able to bring us clarity in those places where we're confused is bring us clarity in those places that we have doubts that the scripture we could debate about scripture all day long okay but scripture ultimately for us as a church gives us the tools we need to navigate the world that we live in. It teaches us, but it also empowers us. It teaches us, but it gives us wisdom in the way that we are to act, the way that we are to live. And we could question a lot of things about the Bible. But the Bible comes alongside the Holy Spirit to bring truth out. It's not just about knowledge, people, okay? It's not just about knowing what the Word says, but it is allowing us to be discipled. It is coming to that place of discipleship. Discipleship involves more than just knowing the Bible. Discipleship is about following Christ wholeheartedly. We need to know who Jesus is. How do you know who Jesus is? Read the Bible. I mean, raise around and chuckle, right? But one of the things is we need a culture in where you can grow in your relationship with God and your understanding of the Bible, right? Here at Five Stones, we want to cultivate that community where you're able to grow in your faith, that you get to know Scripture more, and that's why we preach what we preach. That's why we have cell groups. We also have, have, have Bible studies and teachings that you to help you grow and facilitate that, but all of that is not enough if you just know and read. You need to be in community because that's where disciples are made. What, why do we meet here as a church? Why do we do that? Is it just because we're supposed to? Is it because it's an event that we go to? No, we meet here as a church because we are a family. That's why we meet here. We meet here as a church because Together we are stronger. Together, as we get to know each other, 
we begin to grow together in that place of us reminding each other of who Jesus is, right? That as we're going through certain things, that we're, as we're, we're thinking through our, our, our own thoughts, when we get wrapped up in our own thoughts, it's a very dangerous place to be, okay? We need to be able to speak out those thoughts with our brothers and sisters, with our, our friends here at Five Stones, and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I don't know if it's right. Well, let's talk it out. Maybe it's, it's right and it's absolutely what God is saying. Or maybe uh, you've kind of twisted it a little bit and uh, that's, not really, that's not really accurate. But that's what this community is for. We cannot walk out our faith and our discipleship alone. We need authentic relationships to come alongside us and say, hey, we're living life together. One of the things about Five Stones and one of the things I love about Five Stones is that we are a bunch of weirdos that have come together. <laughs> right? <laughs> that <laughs> it's true. Think about it. Because in your mind, you're thinking there's somebody in this church I think is weird. <laughs> but guess what? Somebody probably thinks that about you too. The beautiful thing is that we all still come together and that we sit here together. And you know what? Weirdos think differently. And it allows us to get this bigger perspective of what the word says and a much bigger perspective of who God is. Because somebody's going to relate to God in one way and somebody's going to relate to God in another way. And both sides are right and both sides are good. And then we get to see the fullness of who God is. That's a beautiful thing, right? We need to cultivate this aspect of family. Five Zones needs to be a place where you can belong. It's not just a place that you attend. Church is not about attendance. It's about belonging. Oftentimes the church is uncomfortable because people think that I need to be a certain somebody to belong. Oftentimes people believe that I need to be sanctified to belong. But the reality is that church is a place of belonging and then you get sanctified. You come first. Come as you are. As broken as you are, just come. Come to Five Stones. Be a part of this family. And then whatever the Holy Spirit does to you, let, let that happen. That's what this place is. That you don't need to be a certain person. You don't need to have gone through Bible study. You don't need to have read through the Old Testament to, to sit here that you could just come not knowing anything about Scripture or knowing anything about Jesus and that you come and that this is a place where you find home. That this is now your family. That we have your backs and we want to grow with you. You belong first. That this community is about you coming in to your journey with God. That you come here and then you get to experience the power of the Holy Spirit working in your lives to transform the way that you live. That's, in theological terms, we call that sanctification. That you only can get sanctified when you're in a community of believers. Okay? It doesn't happen first. God, God cleans you, yes, when you, you receive 
Jesus is your personal savior, there's a forgiveness there. Yes, there's there's a there's a there's 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 that aspect of you are justified, that you are sanctified, but sanctification continues to happen as you come to church, as you study the word, as you're part of this body, that we don't lose this language, right? We don't lose our faith. We don't walk away and start feeding ourselves with all this other junk. Sorry. Our culture is marked by so much superficiality. Our culture is so superficial. I mean, I just, I, I, you five seconds on Instagram, you already feel like, oh, my life is worthless. <laughs> right? In my feed, I have a lot of sports cars and a lot of watches. And a lot of these watches are unattainable. Like, we're talking like $100,000 for a watch kind of thing. I was like, man, I really need that AP. <laughs> for those watch collectors, so you guys know what an AP is. Very rare Swiss brand. Like I need that AP. It's just 300,000. It's, it's attainable. <laughs> right? No. But we lived in this superficial lives. It's so curated, so isolating. And I believe our church needs to be a beacon of genuine relationships. That when we come here, we bear with each other's burdens and we rejoice with one another's victories and that we can extend grace and forgiveness and that we can show love and care and support for one another. John 13, 34 says, It's a new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is not a, this is a command. It's not a suggestion. This is a command to love as God loved us. Because the church is the extension of God's love. The church is the active agent of positive change in society. We are not to withdraw, but we are to actively engage with our society. Jesus tells us to be what? To be salt and light. To bring positive change to our community. How? By pursuing justice, by serving the marginalized, and living out our faith with integrity. Isaiah 117 says, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the cases of, of the widow. If we want to engage in cultural renewal, it involves pursuing justice and serving the marginalized because it addresses the needs of our society. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. This is the most powerful testimony of love and grace. This is living out our faith in integrity and it demonstrates the beauty and the, revel and the relevance of the gospel in a broken world. 1 Peter 1.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they have accused you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits you. Church, you're called to be living testimonies. You're called for that. The way that you live needs to draw people into the transforming power of Jesus. But you cannot draw people in 
if you don't know the gospel for yourself? What does the Lord require of you? Micah 6.8 To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That's what we are, church. Are there any questions? Church, be encouraged. We will always, we will always face challenges. As a church in the world that changes so fast, we will always face challenges. However, the gospel never changes. The gospel is always a beacon of hope and a beacon of glory. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for this reminder today that we live under the gospel message of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that it is central to who we are, central to the message of the church. And Lord, may you teach us to walk out um, this road through your wisdom, through your power, through your scriptures. And Lord, that we never walk away from the truth. So Father God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and empower us. We ask for the Holy Spirit to enlighten us. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come and teach us how to walk every single day with you. And Lord, may we never lose our faith, but may we continue to grow as your church, in this community, as a family. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John, for that message. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a mull over the this this message. I'm I'm just thinking back about the uh, the original term good news in uh, in the New Testament. It was actually a, a a term that was used by the Roman Empire to subjugate the uh, the inhabitants of the empire. They were it was a it was a term that was used to announce I I have power over you. Uh, the good news, this the Romans would send out people, their, their emissaries to tell, hey, there's good news. It's the emperor, whatever name he is, uh, it's birthday. That's the good news. And, and, and as Pastor John preached that message, I'm, I'm reminded that, hey, Jesus changed that term. The good news is about him, not the emperor of Rome, not the emperors of this world, not the rulers of this world, but there's a new ruler in town, and his name is Jesus, his King Jesus, and he is the one that transformed, not by killing, not by murdering people, not by power and uh, that, that, that destroys, but with the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, by transforming the power of grace, love, and forgiveness, and that's, I think, I believe, what Five Stones is all about is to tell that message of love, forgiveness, and acceptance of our Lord, and there is a new king in town, and all the other 
things that are in the world that tells us where, whether it's through our social media, TikTok, or whatever it is that, hey, this is the new way to live. No, the, the only way to live is in the gospel. And the gospel is about him loving us, leading us, and telling us the new way of life is to love one another as he has loved us. Not murder one another, not take out guns, not take out all those things. Not, not even to the way the rulers of this world put out new laws and new stuff that, uh, that's been debated about for ages in, the, in parliament. And, uh, it's not about that. It's about love. The love of God that transforms our hearts. And he loved us so much that God sent his own son, Jesus, to show us a new way of life. That is not killing and destroying and having power, making slaves of people, but making us lovers. So today I just trust that you would take home with you a great message of hope, of you know, wh where there's Jesus, there's hope. Where there's no Jesus, there is no hope. So today, take Jesus for you. Take it in your heart. Spread it to others. Live it out here in community with one another. Um, I'm just reminded of the first few times that I've been here in Five Stones. You know, just the, uh, the incredible love that you all showed me and my family. It's so awesome to be to be loved, to be uh, to be in a place where you're allowed to be who you are. Uh, to be in a place where it's a bunch of weirdos, right? <laughs> uh, we all we are all weird and wonderfully made, <laughs> renewed in Jesus Christ. So today, celebrate that, and uh, you know it's okay to be a little weird. It's okay, yeah, because we all love our little strange quirks and stuff, right? Because of, we are all brothers and sisters. We are all family. We are living that authentic community of Jesus Christ. So live it out, people, and, uh, and be blessed. And now let me pray. Father God, as we, uh, as we think about the gospel-centered church, may our hearts be filled with the good news that it's Jesus, it is Jesus who makes all the difference and not the uh, rulers and, and powers of this world, not the uh, social influences and, uh, and, and all the, uh, all the uh, Hollywood or Bollywood or whatever would uh, that makes a difference. But it's you, you, God, make all the difference, Jesus. And you tell us that... Uh, we can make a difference in this world when we would love one an another as you have loved us. Then the world would know that you are, that we are all your disciples. So Jesus, help us to come to a place where we are working things out with one another and in, in authentic community, in loving one another, in receiving each other. And we know that as we do that, your Holy Spirit will do a work among us, cleansing us, sanctifying us, purifying us, because we are obeying your word and living it out with one another. So Jesus, 
Dismiss your people now with your grace, with your love. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 See you next week. <laughs>